It's rolling. Hello, world. The whole world. Hi. This is Danica here with Jesse. We are the Cosmic Conduits. And the conversation that we're going to have today, I like to think of as a little bit of a lead on from our previous episode. You don't have to have listened to it, but in our last episode, we discussed the two and a half years of long distance that we did a little while ago or earlier in our relationship. And I like to listen back to our episodes. Uh, Yeah, that's what I do. And listening back to it was an interesting process for me personally, because I didn't feel the feeling of that story in my words. Does that make sense, Jesse? So you couldn't feel the emotion you were trying to emote through your words? Yes. I feel like it was very clinical. It was very descriptive, but there was a whole lot of heart that got left out of it. What kind of things do you think were left out? How do you think we could have better portrayed that story? So I mentioned that when you came back to Sydney, we had a rough reintegration period of our energies because we were better at speaking to one another than we were being together. Yeah, it was the WhatsApp relationship thing. Yes. And I think a part of that was during the time that you were away, I had closed myself off or hardened up emotionally So much that I had these rock hard walls that I feel like I've spent the last two years trying to break down. Mm, So like a defense mechanism kind of thing. Like you put these walls up around yourself. A hundred percent. Like during the time you're away, I was productive. I was efficient. I was getting shit done. I was taking care of my body. I was doing all the things, you know? However. However. All of these periods of intense burnout and fatigue in many, many different ways have just taught me, hey, Danica, there's something missing here. Can you slow down? Can you mm. ditch the productivity? Can you soften back into love? Uh, I, I've noticed that I, I am very mind-based. I was very reactive. I was very attached to my output and my productivity. And I really have spent, honestly, nonstop the last two years trying to slow down, to soften, and to... To convince myself like, hey, Danny, you don't need these walls anymore. You don't need this rock solid energetic barrier between yourself and the world. You don't need to keep shit in. You don't need to keep shit out. Mm. It's actually okay. Can you explain what you mean um, with these walls? For example, you mentioned things like you were very productive. You were taking care of your body. These all sound like good things. Yeah. So in what way were those a problem or how did they become a problem? Because they seemingly are things that most people would say are good qualities. Yeah, it was awesome. I learned a lot during that period of time, but I, I delved into like self-sufficiency to the extreme. Where so I it was, was extremity that was the problem really. Yeah, and it was, and it, and it was that was overcompensation. It was a huge lone wolf energy where I was like, cool, my partner's gone. As mentioned in the previous episode, I didn't have a lot of close friendships. I didn't have a, cl- a lot of close relationships. Uh, so I did everything on my own. I handled everything on my own. I was going on a very solitary journey with my body, with my relationship, with my life path. And... Yeah, I just did everything on my own. And then having you come back to Sydney and having a huge, beautiful group of friends make their way into my life. Not group of friends, but many, many different friends make their Mm. way into my life. Learning to share myself with others, to trust others, to hold me, to express vulnerability 
and to really let myself be seen. These are all the kind of things that I've consciously had to work on because I come at people with this, this is who I am. I'm so together. I do this, this and that. I've got my shit together when it's, that's not the whole story. And that's, that's even the whole story that I was telling myself. Right. Because there's this uh, aspect of yourself that you mentioned last episode, which I'll just reiterate now, was you running from your emotions and you using, and when you said extremity before, I suppose you mean using hyper productivity, using hyper focus on your body, using all these things that are good to their extreme to actually bypass you feeling this emotion that is deep seated and hurting. A hundred percent. And part of that emotion is... Jesse, you fucking left me. <laughs> How dare you? I miss you, dog. <laughs> Even though I miss you, dog. Like uh, on an intellectual level, it's okay, but on an emotional level, it's so not. You were abandoned and traumatized as like a small child would be if their parents left them. However, you were dealing with it with an adult's mind. Fully. And that's a that's a confusing thing. In fact, a lot of these very heavy emotions as we've discussed before, as we, as we know, they come from your childhood and manifest again later. But they are innately these things that you experience as a child manifest with your socialization, with your ego, with your identity, with your thinking mind. And so we get confused as to how to resolve that kind of thing, don't we? And then to have you come back and you are inherently such a heart-based being and to also have my partner back in my life forced me to address the emotional side of all of this. <laughs> what do you mean? Have me well, and your partner come back in your life? Have, have, you, <laughs> have, have you as a heart-based being and as my partner? Oh, do you know oh, what I'm saying? Like I you represent this energy. Yeah, and it was just worded hilariously. I know, I know. Um, That's always what I've embodied. And I have met someone who finds that heart-based being very threatening. I met someone, she's a sister of a friend of mine, and she used to have a problem with, with people like that, where when people lived from the heart, she would find she would get very triggered around them. That's so and interesting. It's very interesting. She actually learned a lot from, um, not me, but people like me, and uh, she's healed that wound and it's completely ascended. But the whole thing is, when you close your heart and then you come into contact with someone who purely lives from their heart, one of two things can happen, I believe. One, you close off even harder and push them away, get triggered by them and end up not liking them. Or two, it becomes infectious and they open you up. And I definitely feel like I've been on both sides of that spectrum. Mm. Even talking about you being back and us, you know, having those little arguments where you would insist on using calm voices and holding me while we're having disagreements. And my first instinct was to run and to walk away. And looking back on it now, I realized like in that moment, I was angry about whatever I was angry about. But in the grand scheme of things, I had this anger and sadness towards you Mm. and the stuff that I had not processed in relation to you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. It's really hard to here because i know you know that the reason i left was very important well that's what i'm saying on an intellectual level i get it all yeah but it's it's the emotional relativity which is really hard to convey and maybe there was someone out there who listened to our story and was able to understand the kind of situation you were put in yeah but But also yeah also the emotional stuff over the last few years has been more than just you having left and come back of course that's also opened up the floodgate for all the unaddressed emotional trauma 100%. like all of it <laughs> that's great yeah because when you are running from your emotions and then something or some situation 
forces you to come back into you know perhaps opening the connection you have to emotions as we all do as a human as human beings you start to realize how much you are running from and you realize it probably wasn't even related to me a lot of a lot of the emotion was manifestations of earlier things that happened in your childhood a wise woman close friend of mine said how you feel one thing is how you feel everything how you feel your sadness is how you feel your happiness. You can't, can you, um, can you, you can't pick and choose the emotions that you feel. If you're only, no, I don't understand. So if you're diluting your emotional experience, then if you're not fully tapped into your emotional experience and you're experiencing emotions in a diluted way. So you're only experience a fraction of your happiness and a fraction of your sadness. But if you're to go fully into your joy, that means inevitably having to go fully into, into your, your sadness. sadness. Oh, okay. There's a quote in the prophet that really, um, it demonstrates this well. Yeah. Nice. I think it's something about when you are feeling joyful, your sorrow is asleep on its bed. And when you are feeling sorrowful, your joy is asleep on its bed to say that you interact with them e- equally. You can only be as joyful as you can, you know, feeling sad. Yeah. Um, wording that poorly and I'm butchering the quote. So I apologize, Khalil Gibran. But I wanted to ask you something really important. Okay. You mentioned this lone wolf energy. And I wanted to ask you, what does that mean to you? When you say you become a lone wolf, I know you said you were dealing with things on your own and I understand the idea of a lone wolf, but what does that mean energetically and emotionally? Cool question. So energetically, I always think of myself as having this little energetic barrier around me, right? Like we, we all have a little energy that we project out, whatever you want to call it, mm. uh, like a magnetism. And for me, it, it feels like I've got a sharp edge to that right there's a very clear cut this is my energy and that's yours okay when you say sharp edge you mean like rigid yeah like like i've i've worked really hard at maintaining like a clear cut like it's it's a wall it's a wall like it's a very clearly defined this is my energy and so i'll 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 elaborate but now when i'm working on softening and connecting my, my word from, for, for the year or whatever, my word for my life at the moment is connection. So now as I'm working on connecting, my aim is to soften that energetic barrier where it becomes a gradient between myself and the world, where I flow into my world and my world flows into me, where there's like a transient energetic exchange. There's like less a, of a black and white. It's transactional. Yes. It's constantly, you're constantly receiving energy from the, from the world and it's constantly receiving energy from you. But there's a filter. Whereas before the filter was really thick and nothing was it getting wasn't a out filter it in. was a wall the right? wall was so thick that nothing could get out or in but now you're saying it's more transparent and connecting to yeah but to answer your question less ambiguously uh it's very easy for me to go into a sol- solitary state of being being an only child being very uh introverted by nature mm. which is it's fine i actually you know, if I do like the personality quizzes, I sit pretty close to the 50-50 border, but I always skew on the side of introversion. I feel very comfortable in my own energy. I'm very self-determined and self-motivated. So when I'm on my own, I get shit done and I do it well. So I get into my groove. I get into my routines. I get into my rhythms. I do my dailies. I do my weeklies. It turns into the monthlies. It turns into the yearlies. And then who have I interacted with? How have I branched out? How have I connected? I feel like it's not needed to get where I'm trying to go. Do you get what I'm saying? That's yeah, how I, it's very easy for me to slip into lone wolf energy. But also when That's I was... insane to me though. It's, it's crazy. I, I, it is, I, on a fundamental level, have trouble understanding that me being a super social extrovert 
who's constantly receiving energy from all my interactions. And your work is collaborative. Yeah. So that's correct. It's, I mean, I understand it's a thing. I know many people like that, but it's very hard for me to put myself in your shoes in that situation. And to be honest, this is a side of me that you haven't actually properly seen because I really embody that energy while you were not here. And when you were not here, my social interactions were non-existent. My family interactions were almost non-existent. I didn't Mm. have the people that I have now. It was a very interesting period of time. It's beautiful, but also more from a contrast perspective. I've recently come to realize that I believe your life can only be as good as your relationships are good. And uh, the fact that your word of the year is connection pretty much aligns with that. I totally agree. It's quite a, it's quite a, quite a profound thing how you can become a lone wolf and shut yourself off from the world, but really, you are still a social creature. And tell me about the toll it would take on you. Let's say it had been two weeks since you spoke to someone on a heart level. You've been in your routine. You've been doing everything productive. How would the recoil of that look or the repercussions of that look? Well, the thing about me is it's never a two week repercussion. It's like a, it's like a six month repercussion okay, or, tell or me about a two that. year repercussion. Well, see, that's what I found myself <laughs> falling into over the last year. Like I've shared a few episodes ago about this dark period of time. I've been through this depression that I've been through. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is the repercussions of that. Having emotionally closed off so hard that now when I open myself up to what I'm feeling once again, it all comes flooding back. And I have to now address again, the childhood trauma and the, the heaviness of everything that's always there, which, which I had also shut out as well as the joy and the connection. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just a general shutting out of emotion. So you tend to go into that introversion and you become a creature of logic and, 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 and nothing else. And the result is, is, is eventual numbness. Eventual numbness. Yeah. Numbness to emotion. Okay. So then, so then, right. Is that correct? I guess. Okay. So then tell me how, um, cause you mentioned the dark period though. There there people who listen know that was related to loss. And I understand that that would come, you know, shattering down it would make these walls come shattering down because suddenly you're forced to face all this emotion which is deeper than just i've lost something or somebody or some being that i really care about it's much deeper than that so i guess i guess i'm not really getting the answer i'm trying to get so i'm trying to ask this in a better way when you have spent six months in what is the equivalent of hypological solitary confinement Uh, without something traumatic happening, do you feel any kind of repercussion randomly? Is there any kind of mechanism that kicks in where you start to see an emotion and then either you close it off or you eat it away or something, you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, hundred percent. So, so I, so like the last two years of me trying to undo that I would say has been me trying to drop into my femininity and thus that state of lone wolfness of, of hard headedness, etc. I would associate with the masculine energy, just like, just from an energetic black and white yin yang perspective. Okay, yeah. So that was very like yang masculine energy. And so the repercussions of being like that without dipping into the feminine and without being connected to the yin, the flow, the softness, the surrender, I would say is aggression is is like coldness and numbness where like the emotion comes up and so you you bury how and does, you override how does coldness and numbness look 
to you in that situation? It can look like... How, how is it perceived on the outside? Indecision or it can look like... Uh, I don't know. Like, do you remember us ever trying to get... I, I kind of have some glimpses of things. Yeah. Where I, when I would talk to you, it would seem like you were always pissed off about something, but you wouldn't ever tell anyone what. Yeah, like coldness, numbness, aggression. Like even... Passive so, aggression was a big one. Passive aggression, yeah. Where I'd call you and you just be moody. You just be moody and in a sh- short-tempered, like pissed off mood. And that would happen for months at a time until we would have some kind of grand conversation where you would open up and then release some kind of emotion. And then for the first 10 months, I would feel your energy again, even though we were apart. It used to be a month, like a month long thing. Hey, yeah, at least really one like to I three months. I can still do that, but now it's like an hour and I'm, I'm cracked. But one, like- <laughs> <laughs> one to three months. Yeah. So Literally. you're right. It was that like, I wasn't accessing my feeling. Mm. So I knew that I wasn't settled, but I couldn't tell you why. Mm. So what do you think is something that's important for, for lone wolves to consider about you know, perhaps falling into the trap that you were living in, the hypological, unemotional trap. Yeah, I mean, this is where it's interesting because I knew that I had to go in the other direction, right? I knew. How did you know that? But to, because on an on a intellectual level, I could see exactly how everything was playing out. Always. I can always see what's going on. Mm. Even, even, even when you're being... Uh, awful in and, it yeah and, even and though i'm in, in it, it i'm still fully aware and watching it which is a, it's a thing that's but, great it's important um, to witness but i knew like danica you need to drop more into your feminine es- essence you need to soften you need to surrender you need to access your emotion you need to move into the heart felt space of being and tell me how just for people sorry to interrupt you for people who don't really understand the whole masculine feminine essence thing and the traits and whatnot tell me how that looks You've already described someone who can be hypological and lone wolfy. What's the opposite of that? How does that look? I would say it's somebody who's a lot better at relinquishing control. There's a lot more trust and a lot less trying to make something happen. Trust so and flow, like letting things flow, flow trusting the way things are mm. playing out, loosening your grip on your routine, on your path, on your output, not associating so strongly with productivity. Um, so it's about a, a, a flow state of trust and feeling and feeling your way through it. A word you didn't mention. I think we should add to it connection, right? Connection, not overthinking things. Connection to something more divine than like, themselves. Anything like presence to the point of there's no past and no future. You're just doing for Absolute the like, presence. Yeah, like you're just doing from. Wait, you think presence is a feminine quality? Ah, uh, no, I don't. But but I think that's a way to drop into it. Because it slows you right down. I think presence can drop you into whatever you're trying to counter, you know? So if you're, presence, if you're present, you'll probably be more balanced. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if it's necessarily related to um, the gender, but I can see how it can bring you to whatever yeah. you're lacking. That's interesting. So you can think about it in terms of yin and yang as well. That's Yeah, that helps a lot yeah, of people. Like, though, though that symbol is the same, right? Yin yeah. and yang is the same as uh, masculine, feminine uh, from the... Uh, What's the word? Hermetic philosophical perspective yeah. of masculine and feminine. It's like not, active versus passive. Not how people passive. perceive it today. Yeah. So it's active versus passive. It's receptive and creativity versus um, action oriented doing. Mm, yes, I guess. Yeah, that's how I've seen. That's how I understand feminine. Feminine is creative. Feminine is. I mean, you think about it, feminine. 
creatures or females, generally speaking, are the ones who are creating humans. You guys make all the humans. I've started to think about creativity a little bit differently, though. I think that there's, I think that men and women are both innately creative beings. I think that we just create from very different spaces, and the and the, and the output looks very different. I, I don't think I, it's e- I, I don't think agree. it's as easy as calling the mind like we always think left right brain split. There's logic and then no, there's creative. No, I don't see that so much anymore. Plus, because it's not necessarily about how developed the mind is, right? It's about how much they interact with each other. Yeah. And then there's also like rigidity versus fluidity. So the masculine energy is a lot more rigid, a lot more set in their structures, mm. routine, self-disciplines and masculine. Feminine energy could be considered more fluid, like more go with the flow, more like, oh, something fell apart. That's okay. I'll move on. I trust the way it's meant to be. Mm. Whereas the masculine will be like, why did it fall apart? How can I prevent that next time? How can I fix this? Problem solving. Problem solving. You know, so, so, I think a good creator has a good balance of those two things. Well, exactly. I mean, this is a whole other conversation I'm trying not to <laughs> dive <laughs> into. Maybe we'll leave that for another. Yeah, different yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's where I'm at, right? Like, so moving from that that space of like, let's say masculine, more yang place of being, recognizing that I need to drop more into the feminine, the yin, the softness, the flow, the surrender, and then making active efforts over the course of the last year. And yes, the losses, the grief, all of that has helped push me into it I feel like I've beautifully landed into my softness I in the last couple months or so like yeah it's beautiful I'm feeling it I'm feeling mm. different now very fundamentally different better or now for you. better because it's not just like oh now I'm feminine it's like now I'm balanced balance I think everyone's always trying to get to balance yes. whether you're wired one way or the other yeah you will inevitably try and balance yourself whether it takes a few months, a few days, or a hundred years. It's how long you live for. You're always trying to come to balance. I think every creature is. In yeah. Some way. Yeah. Every, everything craves every unity. Every soul Unity. Um, but yeah, this is what I always said during the process. Like I understand I've spent so long on the masculine side of the spectrum that I need to maybe do a little pendulum swing a little further to the feminine before I can settle to center. Yeah. I definitely felt that as well, where there was That's a lot good. of slowness, softness. I wasn't doing any exercise. I was just eating whatever. I was sleeping whenever. I was like, I was very much like, I give up on myself. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, cool, I'm back on my everything. But there's a different energy in there now. Mm, where I'm almost more powerful. Because oh, you yeah. know and understand yourself on a more wide-scaled degree, from a more wide-scaled wide scale degree. And I feel like more of a slow, steady burn now. Not a raging for fire, but a slow, steady, sustainable yeah, burn. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. But let's come back to the whole heart thing, right? Because it, it all of this relates to my relationship with my emotional body and my heart energy. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that's the conversation that we're really trying to have today. Yeah. So what do you have to say about the heart? Okay, can I ask you a question on the heart? Sure. To begin. Um I want to read you a quote and I want you to tell me how this either makes you feel or how you interpret this, okay? This is from a Rumi. You have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. You stole my quote. That's my fave. I fucking love that quote. That's my this favorite is, quote. I told you that quote in the first place. That helped me get through a lot of this darkness. Yeah, uh, because... Did you have that ready, locked and loaded in your can head, you read, head movies? Yeah, yeah, well, I was going to relay that quote back to you after you told me your quote but but um <laughs> say that again slowly for the listeners okay yes you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens what the fuck does that mean i mean i, I feel like i know but 
tell me how tell me what you think it means tell me i'll tell you what i think it means I really do want to hear your perspective on this. I feel this on such a fundamental level because I recognized in this journey of re-assimilating with my heart space energy that I have always been such a heart-based being and I reconnected like during this quote-unquote depression, I reconnected with this feeling that I used to get in my youth, which is that everything fucking hurts. Everything hurts. I love everything so much and I'm so passionate about so much and everything hurts and existence is pain. You sound and, like your 14 and, year old emo and, self. And mother nature is crying and she's dying inside and blah, 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 blah. And like when you, when you let the heart open, the floodgates well and truly, you know, they, they, they disintegrate and it all comes flooding in. And like, like we said before to feel something to truly feel something is to feel everything. And you can't open your heart to the beauty in life without acknowledging the pain, the suffering, the darkness, the sadness, the loss, the grief, the trauma, because that's all contributing to your emotional experience. And in terms of polarity, I can only experience as much joy as I have darkness, right? I can only experience as much light as I have darkness because that is how context works. I have no context for my supreme ecstasy unless I've gone through the absolute depths of my darkness. And so to allow yourself to truly feel things properly, you have to understand that darkness and density is a fundamental part of this beautiful 3D existence. Mm. It is a part of it. You will hurt. You will hurt others. You will experience loss you know, all of it. And that breaks the heart. But the feeling of the heart breaking is you having the opportunity to hold yourself and to nurture yourself and to be tender and to accept your vulnerability and to accept your hurt and your woundedness and your suffering and to love yourself and then unconditionally unconditionally, and then access that space of, I do love, I do love myself. I do love everything. Mm. I'm going to leave it at that. Powerful, powerful. Um, I think unconditional love is the most important thing for someone to feel connected to themselves, to feel happy in their lives, and to feel this sense of what you mentioned before, which is like an overwhelming sense of trust. But to bring it back to the quote, you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. I, I'm going to go on a side tangent, okay? Just before I do bring it back there one more time. I believe most people have their hearts closed for the most part. Now, I don't believe they're completely closed, but I think they're the energetic vortex that is your heart chakra or your heart space is spinning either slowly or it's not um, wide enough, which means you're not receiving enough energy for that part of you. Now, this is the uh, slight uh, touching... Uh, let me use my words a second time. This is me trying to touch base with, with uh, Eastern philosophy and the chakra system because I really relate to that as we've discussed in the past. The heart space is a vulnerable space and that's why I believe that people, most people, are not are nowhere near as connected as to, their, to their hearts as they could be. The reason being is because there is suffering in the world, there is pain and people force themselves to close himself off to it whether it's conscious or subconscious just in order to deal just to deal just to live just to just to look at themselves and say I, i'm okay with myself 
it's really interesting when you listen to monks talk about compassion or the Dalai Lama talk about compassion or you read Anthony DeMello's book, The Way to Love, and you start to realize, holy shit, I don't fucking know what love is at all. Uh, that is, there's a quote actually in the beginning and he says this thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but I'm just going to dabble into this and going to walk through the, the aisle of the heart for a moment in my mind and so you guys can come with me. <laughs> He says, picture the way you feel when someone gives you praise or it tells you you're good or you nailed that or you are awesome. And contrast that feeling with a beautiful sunset. You're just staring at this beautiful sunset. And the difference is, is when you're looking at this beautiful sunset, you don't want to change anything about it. That sunset is perfect. You're not going... I wish that cloud was 45 millimeters to the southwest and I wish the sun was a bit higher this way. You know, you're not, you're not trying to control you. There's, there's complete trust and there's just, to use your word, unconditional love and appreciation. appreciation. Maybe it wasn't that word. I, don't know. I had to add that to what you were saying, but I knew you were trying to say that. So to use what you were trying to say, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing I want to say is that that appreciation is what love really is. Whereas when somebody's praising you, you might be like, yeah, I did well, but I could have done better or like I've done it better before. Or something right. Like and, but even if you don't have that result and someone praises you and you go, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. I worked hard for that. Thanks. That's egoic validation. Mm. That's nothing. That is actually not connected to love at all. That's connected to attachment. Whereas the sunset gives you the same feeling of fulfillment, but there's no I involved. No I involved. Bingo. <laughs> and another way of putting this is if someone's walking through the park and they see a pretty flower. The person who knows what love is looks at that flower and goes, that's beautiful. Stares at it for a little bit and keeps walking. The person who lives from a place of attachment picks it up and puts it in the hair. or And I've done, I'm guilty of this too. Or picks it up and says, here you go, my beautiful flower. This is a flower for my beautiful flower. And then hands it to their partner. Something like that, right? That is operating from a place of attachment. Now, the lines are so fucking blurred. And that's why the book, The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello was very enlightening for me. I still want to read that. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I have to read that 40 more times in my life yeah. because it's one of those profound reads and it's short, but it's concise as hell. And it was the last book he wrote before he left his body. Oh, wow. Powerful, 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 powerful stuff. Anyway, so let's go towards the end of the aisle and just bring it back to this quote. You have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. This brings me to unconditional love because I believe that once your heart has been broken enough, you have no choice. You are only left with unconditional love. There is nothing else. You realize that when you've lost enough, when you've suffered enough, when you've gone through so many years of torment, of hell, of depression, of not being able to look at yourself or, or you know, closing yourself up to the world because you just can't look at these homeless people and you, you have to put a barrier up for your own sanity. When you've gone through so much of that, and it breaks and it breaks and it breaks and it's break and it breaks. You might, you will inevitably. I think there's only one way forward, and that is unconditional love. I don't see that in heaps of people. There are heaps of well, their hearts there haven't are, broken enough. Mm, because been through the one thing, but, but they might have glimpses of it. But who's to say when it's broken enough? You know, there could be a famous, I don't know, a successful lawyer who's walking through the city every day. And he might walk past the same homeless man and give him five bucks every day. But because he's living from a place of 
unconditional love, he will give him money every day. He will feel for him. He will actually do something because he can. He will do something to help this person, make sure that they can, you know, he's doing a little bit that goes a long way. Whereas the person who lives from attachment maybe thinks from a place of, I, I either doesn't think of them at all and just blindly walks, walks past them or just pulls out whatever spare change they have and just chucks it in, doesn't even look at the person, no eye contact, no acknowledging of you're my brother, that could be me, no acknowledging of we are one race, um, no compassion, no empathy, and then just continues walking. And I think until your heart's broken enough, you won't get to unconditional love. Okay, but what I don't get is, okay, so there's a woman and she has five kids. She loses her first kid, her heart breaks. She loses her second kid, the heart breaks. Sorry, I'm saying this so badly. She loses her third child. We have her to heart talk breaks slower. Again. You're right. You're right. Yeah, we just start talking like idiots. Um, <laughs> so my point is, so every time her heart breaks because she loses one of her children, she gets a little more jaded and then she gets that last child and then she loses that child. And by that time, she's a cold, bitter shell of a woman. What, uh, by your logic, what has to happen and what, what miraculously just opens her heart from that perspective? I reckon that there are people who don't actually accept themselves and who feel cold and jaded until either a near-death experience of their own, not losing someone else. Because everyone's heart is closed in different ways and everyone's curriculum is different. So whatever breaks your heart, this other person might not even feel a glimmer. So, so here, wait, I think that's it. Her heart's not truly breaking because she hasn't allowed herself herself to truly process that grief, that loss. And so it keeps happening. The universe keeps sending it to her. Because it's like, because, you think you're broken? You haven't even cracked yet. Well, or it could be like you, where she doesn't even think she's broken. She's just like, it's fine, I'm just going to try again. She goes straight into logic, doesn't process the emotion, doesn't even address it, puts the fucking wall up, and then goes on. And then the universe goes, uh-uh-uh. You didn't learn your lesson. You're not listening. Loses a second kid. Loses a third kid. And then finally, if she loses all five kids and then her heart doesn't break, maybe she gets into the relationship of her, uh, the best relationship of her life and maybe he dies four years before her. And then finally, her heart breaks, but then it opens. And then there's also the situation where she is about to die, where she's got three breaths left. And in that moment, she has a profound realization yeah, but that's let's not bring the near death experience into it because it doesn't have shit to do with the quote. Okay, I'm talking about death, not near death. Yeah. That was actual death. But, okay, but, but it, uh, it, but it does. It does because the heart will open when it's ready, and when you realize something to do with it, if you don't address it, if you don't address it, it's not going to open. Yeah, but so that's that's what I'm trying to get at. So that's Please, why yeah. that's what I think has cracked it for me is like you think you've been through heartbreak, but you haven't actually allowed yourself to access the emotion. Right. And so yes, I yes. think I totally agree with what you said, which is most people have their live with their hearts closed. That is a diluted existence. You think you've experienced pain. Truth is that you haven't actually gone into the true depth of that pain. Mm. You haven't allowed yourself to address how deeply yeah, it's probably. impacted you, how 100%. hurt you were by that person, by that loss. And and once you go there and you are like, oh my God, that actually broke me. Holy crap, that broke me. And I've been there. I've been there 10 years later. I've been there 15 years later. I've been there processing the pain for my ancestors who never had the opportunity to process their own pain. I've had that moment where I'm like, oh my God, 
I feel that loss and you never did. Mm. And, and that's broken me and I've gone there. But once you go there, you realize that it all comes from a place of love, right? Mm. I could not, I never allowed myself to experience this hurt, but in fully immersing myself in this pain and suffering, I realize it comes from a place of love. I am hurting because I love you and how could you do this to me? Or yeah. I'm hurting because I love you and I've lost you mm. or something like that. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's yeah. why the heartbreaking brings you back to the heart. Does that make sense? Totally. Brings you back to love. But um, I was going to say like to people, like I totally believe that people live with their hearts closed for the most part because it, like, it, it, it takes so much work to go to the root of your pain and suffering. It takes so much courage to address how deeply something has affected you. It takes so much vulnerability to open up to somebody and share that and express that, or even to do that with yourself. That's another huge one for me. It's not even about being emotionally vulnerable and intimate with another person. It's about being that within, with myself. How, how, how do I express intimacy with myself? How do I express vulnerability with myself? Does that make sense? hundred percent it does. Yeah. That's a very, if you're finding that you're bearing your emotions or unable to connect with them, that's one of the greatest places to start, actually. But one more thing I'll say is that I think that it's so easy to run from these pain, like this pain and dark emotions. But because because once we drop fully into that pain, sometimes it can be like, oh my God, this hurts so bad. I don't know what to do about it. I was having this moment where I am, you know, it, within this process of connecting to the heart and just you know, sometimes the weight of the world creeps up on you and you start thinking about whatever situation is happening around you or in the world, whatever it is. There was no specific, I can't remember it now, but I had this moment of, oh my God, like, what can I do? Like, this is so much. What can I do? I'm feeling so much. Everything feels so dark. I feel like there's nothing I can do about it. And in that moment, I really tuned into my heart and I was like, the only way through is unconditional love. That's what brought me to it. It's like, what can you do in this crazy, crazy world where shit gets so dark and shit gets so heavy and, and you feel like, I don't know what to do with this pain. It's like, you love, man. You love yourself and you cut yourself some slack mm. and then you love others so that you don't have to ever push any of your pain onto them or you don't ever have to deepen their experience of the pain that they already have within them. And a final thing I'll say about all of this is that I think to, to nurture this process and to help people stop being so afraid to drop into their emotions, good or bad, good and bad, is having a space to express and channel your emotion, whether it be joy, whether it be pain, whether it be pleasure, whether it be loss. What do you do to hold space for these emotions? Do you share your joy with somebody? Do you channel your passion into art? Do you scream into a pillow when you feel angry do you shake it off in a cold shower when you feel frustrated do you call you someone and just talk call about someone it? to talk it out when you're sad how do you keep that energy flowing big word there flowing because uh, and can i pick up from here please um the heart chakra in uh hindu translates to anahata which actually means unstuck unbeaten or unhurt sanskrit so, no. it's sanskrit sorry no. thank you it's not okay. yeah my bad um and it was what again sorry unhurt unhurt unbeaten or unstuck and the fact that you used the word flowing there just gave me a huge light bulb because that's a really interesting 
way of perceiving, A, the energy vortexes that are your chakras, which are absolutely there. They've done studies to prove that there are clumps of neurons, big ones that are there at where those energy centers are, as well as acupuncture has been using that for so many years. Totally agree. Like on an energetic level, I truly believe that depression is your, your emotions have gotten stuck. Yeah. They have stagnated yes. that energy because everything is energy. Even mm-hmm. your emotions are energy. They are no longer flowing because yeah. you don't know how to channel them. Water, right? It's nice. the realm of water. Yes. Element of water. Exactly. So that's so profound to think about. And then it makes me think, well, well, what, what, and this is a question to you as well, because you just gave some good suggestions and I had some suggestions to add to that. When you find that your heart is closed off, and this, I mean, this happened to me last week, like you can wake up after a bad sleep and then just feel crappy and then suddenly you'll feel like you just don't want to connect with people. Uh, and that to me is a sign, hey, like not really connected to my heart. In those moments, I find that I want to go and like do heart-based meditations or even something as simple and as pragmatic as just closing my eyes and taking slow deep breaths and listening to my heart just the very thing that is beating constantly to keep me alive how much fucking time do people spend just sitting there and acknowledging it just acknowledging it that this thing is keeping you alive it's profound on a symbolic level that most people don't even know when their heart's beating fast or slow but you're right, unconditional love is the way forward. And so to come back to my question, what are some things people, including us, do or can do or should do if our hearts, if you find that our hearts are closed? If you're feeling like emotionally clogged, if you're feeling numb. Numb. Numb's actually a huge, a huge symptom. That's my thing. Like, For me as well, I get that as well. I think step one is recognizing when you are closed off. So I would say numbness. I would say irritation frustration towards people towards like not wanting to be around people seclusion, not seclusion introversion like think about the term heart to heart right yeah you are doing the opposite of that in that moment you are i don't want to talk to you mm. go away i have headphones on fuck off i was gonna say listen listen like deep listening i also resonate with that i don't necessarily resonate so much with listening to the heart or connecting to the heart chakra like you do just because for me, I think about things very literally and I'm like, yeah, well, your heart's working to keep you alive. So is your brain and so is your liver and so is your pancreas. So like, you don't think so, there's so, anything else going on that you can't see or feel? How did you get that from what I said? Because you- <laughs> I, I'm just saying that the body is a unit, man. If you pull out my liver, good luck trying to keep me alive. If you pull out my brain, everything switches off. I just like get It's confused. not just the heart that's keeping it alive. The heart has its purpose just like every other organ. But that's okay. So listening to your heart, that's that can be a metaphor and that can be a literal thing but my whole thing is listen to your body right because physically you are a manifestation of what is going on inside of you so if the heart is beating too fast if my breathing is shallow if i'm sweaty if i'm shaky if i'm cold if i'm hot these are all things that are telling me about my state of being so i will listen and this happens to me, this, this is happening more regularly where I have, you know, my routine where I, you know, before my yoga classes that I teach, I will do an hour of yoga, for example. And in the last week, there are a few days where I was feeling quite tender. And I guess I didn't know it until I went to do those yoga practices. And I was like, I don't feel like this today, man. And then I was, I asked the right question. I was like, Oh, why don't you feel like this? Okay. What do you feel like instead? And then it turned into some really flowy, intuitive, slow 
soft, like an embodiment, like a feminine embodiment practice, um, which was coached completely unintentional. But during that process, I was just hands physically on my body, listening and feeling. What does it feel like to feel my own hands running along my skin? What does my touch feel like to myself? It's like self-nurture, holding myself, moving from that space, slowing things down, regulating my breath, regulating my nervous system. And then it's like, do I want to exercise? No, I just want to move my hips. Do I want to dance? No, I just want to stretch. So does that make sense? Like there's this real ask and respond, ask and respond relationship to keep going deeper and deeper into what I'm feeling, keep responding to that emotion and then get it out of me. And it did come out of me. Mm. I sobbed. Beautiful. <laughs> I sobbed. Beautiful. Totally. I didn't know I needed to. It just happened. It's, does, that, it's, does that answer your question? Kind of, kind of. Let me, let me, um, let me try and speak to that. Whenever I feel an emotion that movement typically heals, it's usually something that's related to other issues. Like I don't feel grounded or I'm feeling shame or guilt or I'm feeling something that's overwhelmingly um, not necessarily related to me not wanting to connect with people, more so related to uh, me feeling, I guess, ungrounded or frazzled or low energy or any of those things. And movement does help. And movement, I mean, I guess movement helps in every situation, really. But I think when it comes to the heart, I mean, we are all aware that there's more going on, as you mentioned before, like the aura, or you called it the energetic bubble or whatever. We are all aware that there's more going on outside of ourselves um, than we can see. But starting with what you said, like feeling your body, that is that is a state of connection and the heart is responsible for connection. So absolutely. But the question and answer part that is for me personally, kind of less related to the heart and more related to just your connection to your body as a unit, like you said. But then wouldn't you be doing that for yourself in a heart-based meditation? Sure. But I wouldn't be focused on it from that. If I'm doing a heart-based meditation, I might do the first thing you said, which is where I'm touching and connecting to myself, listening to my heart. But if I decide, oh, I just need to move my hips because that's what feels good right now. Probably that's something that's more helping different energy centers of my body. But see, you and I are two very different people. We see things differently in that realm. I tackle everything through movement. I process everything through movement. That's amazing. So, so, I, think every, I, th- I think everyone can do that as well. Well, everyone can do everything. But but I'm telling <laughs> you, I would never sit down and meditate to get to my emotions. That's See, not I the way I do it. I found that profound. But you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense for how we are as people. Yeah. I, I almost always move myself into what I'm feeling. Almost always. That's so cool though, man. Like I'm glad that is a that is a positive way that helps you connect to yourself and for, who am I to say that's not working? Of course it's working for you. So obviously that's a great method and I urge people to try that method. I think everyone's got many different ways they can there do this. There are so many. We're just yeah. sharing some that work for us. Yeah. Like we don't fucking know. Yeah. What, what works for me is to sit there and either I'll run, because sometimes when I'm not feeling connected, I haven't just played the thought through. I haven't allowed it to go on as train of thought. I'll cut it off and so it will keep showing up. So I'll sit there and I'll do like a mindfulness meditation and I'll just let the thought process or the train of thought run its course and then once the train comes to a stop i'm like cool i've thought that through or or, cool i understand where this thought's trying to lead me what it's trying to make me feel 
And now that I understand it, I can love and appreciate why it came up and why and what it was trying to teach me. And that's something I would do in a meditation. I would just sit there. It looks like I'm meditating, but I'm actually deeply thinking, uh, which is meditating in some way. And that's kind of, you know, we're, we're fundamentally different like that. And mm. I think that's a cool thing. So other things I would suggest, just to add to that, um, singing to something you like has always helped me so much did you find that's a fun thing to do like you're you're sad and you're driving you're not feeling good and you're trying to go somewhere or do something and you blast your music and you sing along even though we know that you particularly and maybe me even more sound horrible doing so but we do it anyway i think i sound fantastic you sound awful Uh, i think i sound fantastic that's the problem and we just (laughs) keep doing that until we feel better and it fucking works yeah singing man it's a powerful thing because again like you're moving that energy you're Mm -hmm. moving it so so don't you feel that if you sit down meditate and something huge comes up like how can you just meditate it away don't you feel like you need to get up and shake it off or something you know what that's where i would like be confused i don't i never meditated away that is that's called bypass that doesn't so you meditate to acknowledge to acknowledge and to I don't meditate in a way. I meditate towards it. Yeah. I and meditate then, to acknowledge and understand because an example, I'm not saying in a way, sorry. I'm not saying a way on, to yeah. get rid of it. I'm just saying to keep it moving. Well because, then well then yes. If that's not what you're saying, because I'm not trying to get rid of it. In yeah. fact, trying to get rid of it is the equivalent to putting a knife to a previously open wound. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Yeah, because like you're trying to cut the scar off over and over yeah. again. It just creates a bigger scar. What you're initially trying to do is heal that scar, heal that wound for good so that you stop thinking things like, why is that person better than me? Or why can't I be like this? Or why do I struggle with X quality? This, the reason, if it, and everyone finds they have a certain theme of recurring things that comes up. And the problem is that, and this is my theory, okay? So I don't fucking have the answer, but I have some theories and my theory is that those things keep coming up for you because you haven't meditated towards them you haven't played the train of thought out you haven't given unconditional love to the emotion that that train of thought is trying to lead you to Mm. does that make sense i think i have to repeat that you haven't given unconditional love to the emotion that that train of thought is trying to bring up it's trying to lead you to I, I love that. And look, let's use a scar as an analogy for an emotional wound because I think it's a great analogy. I think it's a great metaphor. So let's say somebody hurt you and it left a scar. That might ring true for a lot of people or it couldn't be just a metaphorical thing. Somebody hurt you and it left a scar. Okay. By you not going there or you trying to get rid of that emotion. So you, by you not going there, you just have this scar and it's like you never look at it. And it's like, come on, you can't ignore a scar. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. It's, you're going yeah, to see it. Someone yeah. else will see it. It'll come up, right? So that's like the trigger, okay? And then trying to get rid of that emotion is like trying to cut the scar if you just create a bigger scar. Nice, exactly. The only way to deal with having this emotional wound, the only way to deal with having this scar on your body is, or the best way to deal with it, I would say, is to rub some beautiful oils on it and some balms and to be like, skin let's heal this as best as we can maybe it will never go away which means maybe every time i look at it i will remember the hurt that came with it Mm. but over time when i do this every single day when i rub my beautiful oils and balms over it i will rewrite this narrative and instead of looking at the scar and seeing the person that hurt me 
I will see my hands running over my skin. And then the next day I'll see myself taking time for myself. And then the next day I'll see myself trying to, you know, get some smoother skin. And yeah. then, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're saying it um, in a confusing way because I think you're bridging the physical and the non-physical. That's how I work. In such a, in such a beautiful way. But I think <laughs> when you talk about rubbing oils on it, I think people think... People may think it could be literal, but it kind of is. Okay. Well, for me, let it, me let I me, think it is because I also have that. Anyway, but it works well. Okay, what I'm saying is you're saying everything correct. The what I would add to what you're saying is that first of all, just to clarify something that may have been missed, the scar is a metaphor. These oils are a metaphor for self-love, and yes. that's self-love is should be or is real self-love is unconditional, and. That's the part you left out of your analogy that I think was a very p- important piece to add. Thanks, Jesse. So, so let's say you have the thought pattern, you have the memory, and it causes you some pain and suffering. It causes you to feel sad. And you're like, fuck, I wish I never thought about that guy ever again. You know, I never want to think about him ever again. It's like, boo, he's going to come up. He's going to come up. You know, they're going to come up or that loss is going to come up. You can't forget it. You know, it's in your brain. It's impacted you. You're not going to forget it. So how about every time it comes up, you give yourself a little bit of love? That's beautiful. You know, every time, every time it comes up, you do something loving for yourself. So eventually you create an association between the hurt and self-nourishment and self-care. Mm. The, I, I think that is a practical Powerful. way to practice unconditional love. I agree. And that's a beautiful way. Um, there's another yogi or Swami, I believe, who said this quote that love is endless forgiveness. Yeah. That's a powerful one worth mentioning. I know I've brought it up on the podcast before, but talking about keeping your heart open, talking about emotional wounds, and for people who don't know what we mean by emotional wounds and scars and stuff, look into the psychology of emotional trauma. It's a very important thing to understand. It's like the residual mental... And physiological and subconscious... uh, Shit. <laughs> that gets left, left in the over. body after a traumatic experience. Yeah, after and, and impactful experience. And yeah, it goes much deeper than I had a car accident when I was 15. Emotional trauma starts in your earliest years, I think first eight years. But anyway, look into that. It's very intriguing. And the last thing I will say is the ocean or the forest. These are things that will open your heart if you spend enough time Oof, with them. Nature. I know. I know people say nature is healing and yes, it fucking is, but you can't go there for two hours every month and expect to be healed. Yeah. No way. And I'm talking to myself too. Cause I know that I need to spend more time in nature, but cause nature has no ego. Like you said, right? Yeah. It's unconditionally like loving. It's it, unconditionally. Lo- if yeah. you, if you try and cut a branch off a tree with aggression, is that tree going to attack you back? It doesn't man. A tree, trees and plants in particular are the most unconditional loving things. They know nothing else. Uh, you know, animals and third dimensional animals that exist like bugs, snakes, spiders, they'll probably try and attack you back, but just from their survival instinct. Yes. And they have a lesser intelligence. So they'll forget that you hurt them and they'll keep coming back, you know, like, like a dog, like a dog that's been abused. They still love, they, they can still find love later yeah. and they can become happy dogs again. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to consider. And do you have anything else to say right now? No, no, no. Please consider. Well, I was going to say... Oh, please continue. <laughs> can we just uh, finish off by saying a little bit more about unconditional love? Because this has been healing me for sure. When I've carried around... Like, again, being in that masculine energy, there's so much 
rationalization and there's so much like pondering, thinking, trying to work things out, trying to see things through. And I've, I, I really value being in this space of when I start to get caught up in like the weight of things, just coming back to exuding as much love as I possibly can and understanding the world from a place of unconditional love, it heals me because I can be angry. I can get, I can be like a social justice warrior. I can get caught up in the injustices of the world, you know, crazy political climate right now. Crazy things are falling apart left, right and center. And a lot of what's happening feels like it's unforgivable, but can we just, can we just take a step back and just see humans as like a bunch of dumb babies that have all been hurt and that are all hurting. Just hurting in return. They're just hurting and then all they know is hurt. So they hurt other people. Can we just see things from that perspective? And I'm not saying it justifies anything, but it helps just to be like, I love us anyway. I, we're a beautiful mess. I love us anyway. And look, let's not get too caught up with the injustices. Let's just be loving from within ourselves and create this little bubble of positivity surrounding us and try to counter the big bad capital TBB uh, <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? I, hear you. I think it's a little bit hippy dippy, but it is, it doesn't have to be. I still know. Be. I still know what's going on. I still know where I stand. I still know what's right when what's wrong. But at the same time, I've, this is what I keep thinking. Like, just keep looking straight ahead, Danica. Keep looking at your life, your path. Ignore the periphery. Love. <laughs> and that's it. That'll get you through it. When shit feels overwhelming, that's what's getting me through. I hear that. I believe that real love is unconditional. So if we talk about the endless forgiveness thing, Um, being related to unconditional love, well, then you are able to see everyone as just, you know, maybe just grumpy children or what did you say? Dumb babies. Dumb babies. And just choose to love them anyway. And that's the last thing I'll say about love is that real love is a choice and forgiveness is like a plant. And so if you're to combine love and forgiveness and if you're to unite them as one concept, you you are to be someone who constantly forgives no matter what. No matter what, you forgive. Mm. Um, there's some beautiful stories about this. Um, the one with the snake in the fire. You had that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try to retell it. I'll just fuck it up. But <laughs> yeah. beautiful, beautiful story. And the other thing is, and someone's curious, type in snake, fire, story, love, Google. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be there. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Forgive people and forgive yourself constantly. And then love as a policy for me, I've talked about the happy no matter what thing on this podcast yeah. that would just write on myself, you know, love as policy, LAP. I could put that on myself and that could be another one that I might do. I love these little reminders that force you, force you into a consistent remembering because what that's doing is it's rewiring you. You're trying to change your perception of connection and the world and people and yourself and thought and you're trying to change this and you're trying to rewire it and love as a policy is to say well no matter what i forgive you and i love you anyway and 
there is nothing that... Let me jump back a bit here. In Eastern philosophy, they say, and this is something that I don't know if I've told you before, Danny, that when your heart is truly open, you feel invincible. You know that feeling? Have you ever felt so connected yet invincibly trusting and connected to your world? Yeah, Have you ever fully, felt that? Fully. Fully. Dude, literally. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get that, but I see you. They don't have to. So what that means is when you are truly connected to unconditional love and you have endless forgiveness and endless love inside you towards yourself and then towards your world, I forgot my end point. You're invincible. You're but- invincible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Yes. It, and true love is unconditional love and true love is invincible because you know why? Tell it's me. all heart, no mind, man. Th- Ooh, because the yeah, mind comes true. in and it creates conditions. I love you because of this, this, and this. And I don't love you because of this, this, and this. With That's the heart, true. it's just like, I can't explain it. I just love all of it, man. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you agree or yeah. disagree or resent or don't resent yeah. or find them annoying. There's still just a fundamental foundational love towards whoever that person is. And just sorry, one more thing I forgot to mention. I'm so glad it got brought up in my mind. The whole love thy neighbor, love your enemy. That actually unites with the idea of love as a policy. On a cellular, atomic, vibrational, energetic level, to vibrate love and unity is the ultimate because within within yourself gratitude yeah, where three. it's like all your cells are like they're coming together it's and the they're highest like vibrational we, um move movement <laughs> it makes sense like we work together we fulfill one purpose we are one and if you are living within that on like a cellular vibrational level imagine what you attract and imagine how you affect others imagine how people who know you see you and how much impact you have on them, like you said, affect others. But then also imagine what good you can do from that place. That's really the next step of human consciousness and evolution is for people to find unconditional love. And people like the Dalai Lama have been just saying this for so many fucking years. How many Dalai Lamas have there been? Like 14 or 15? Oh, dude, I don't know. But... Look, this is another thing. Like people think it is quite woo woo hippy dippy to say like unconditional love, love is everything, vibration, love vibration, whatever. I don't know. But um, the thing is, like, it's not just something that happens to you. Like I choose to be unconditionally loving. It's like, well, actually, you choose to be loving. You choose to be unconditionally loving, and you choose to. I mean, just that you choose and and you don't choose once you choose every single day and you choose every single interaction in every single interaction and you choose from moment to moment and something shit happens to you and then you choose again and you keep choosing until that neural pathway is so strong and it becomes your default mode where you're not looking, you're not getting caught up in the details and you're not going to your past trauma and you're not linking it to something else. It's like, no love love that's it Mm -hmm. and i'm still working on it man and you get tested left right and center of course but um i don't know if you mind this jesse but just to really tie things off a little bit like it's our it's our anniversary tomorrow you know true that it's a big one (laughs) it's a big one and um five years and 
let me just say, you know, because now we officially know everything about being in relationship. I mean, five years. You five know? years. We, we are just, probably we could write. We should, we should we start should write, to write books. On yeah, because we know everything there is to know. Everything. And there is no one who could ever possibly know more. But look, look, honestly, okay, enough shit. Talking. Enough shit talking. But one thing I really have learned is that it is so easy to walk away from a relationship. It's so easy to convince yourself that the grass is greener. It's so easy to convince yourself that the other person is not good enough or you're not good enough or you deserve better or the other person deserves better. But especially in your relationships, romantic or otherwise, keep choosing love and that'll take you where you need to go. And I think that that is our policy, right? Oh, yeah. Let's keep choosing to love each other even when we annoy the absolute shit out of each other and that's as bad as it gets these days honestly that's as bad as it gets we just annoy each other we're both pretty annoying people yeah we are i have two siblings irritating in very different ways exactly as as someone with two sisters it's kind of my job to be very annoying constantly it just comes naturally and danica i don't know she was just born with this gift yeah (laughs) it's just absolutely just so prevalent in your very nature um it's beautiful by the way yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say for the third fucking time <laughs> <laughs> is that even if someone's giving you hate, watch what happens. If someone says to you, well, you are a, and insert noun or whatever they label you as in that thing. Watch what happens if you smile at them and say, it's okay. I understand where that's coming from. And it's okay. I love you anyway. And I see why you're saying that. Understand them. First of all, and don't just say it, but try understand them. Don't agree with them, but tell them you understand what they mean. And then express some appreciation for that statement. Hence, give that part of you or that part of you that they're seeing. Give it unconditional love. Smile. Give them a hug afterwards. Thank you for telling me that. I appreciate it. I will think about that. And this is the last thing I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Are we playing this game? Yeah, we're playing this game. (laughs) Who's going to end the podcast? I love it. Who's going to end the podcast? Stay tuned. I mean, isn't everything just a reflection of you? So like literally everything you hate is just a part of yourself. Love it. So everything in your yes. world that is testing you is just testing your love for yourself. Yes. And your and understanding of yourself. Yeah. And, and your self-awareness. I would even further the, the idea of self-awareness and say testing your ability to inscribe love as a policy into your soul, into your being. And this is the last thing I'll say. <laughs>